Okay, welcome everyone to the Directed IRA webinar. We're excited to get started for today. And the topic, investing in alternative assets with an IRA or 401k, how the rich invest in alternative assets and how you can too. This is gonna be on the podcast as well. So if you're listening to it on the podcast, just know we have slides on this at directedira.com slash webinar. Um, get over there to see our future webinars as well um, and all the past ones. So you can get the recordings there as well as slides, which we'll be sharing here in a few moments. So now, if you miss any portion of this, it's recorded. And as I just mentioned, it's going to go up on directedira.com slash webinar. We'll send an announcement out um, once the recording is available. Just give us a couple days and we'll get it up on the site. But um, really excited today, though, because not only do I have Aaron Halderman sitting next Ooh. to me, which is always good, but um, we have uh, Michael Bradley and Brandon also from Brad Bradley Wealth who are going to be teaching today. So you don't have to hear from Aaron or I on alternative assets. Um, they're financial advisors, professionals working in this every day, mm -hmm. help lots of clients with alternative assets. Invest in an IRA or 401k. And I know you think financial advisors don't do it, but there are good ones. They do. That aren't scared of this stuff. That will help you invest in an alternative asset and won't just put you in the S&P 500 or some boring mutual fund. Um, so, uh, so we're excited for their presentation. We're going to turn the controls over to them today. Um, before we do, I just want to see, Aaron, you want to give any you know, rules of the road today for people? No, I think we're good. I think uh, let's just use that, that Q&A, fire up uh, some of your good questions, try and stay on topic, relevant, will be beneficial. But we'll kind of, uh, I'll be looking at them, moderating them throughout. So kind of halfway through the presentation today, we'll take some live Q&A and then we'll also end uh, the webinar with some additional Q&A and then we'll bid everyone uh, adieu. All right. Is that French, adieu? That, that is, is that I think is that's a, French, yeah. French, yeah. Um, now, remember, of course, today, this is meant to be educational in nature. This is Attorney Matt coming in, giving you a boring, boring disclaimer. Coming in hot. Yeah, he's going to go away soon. We'll put him back in the closet. So, you know, <laughs> baby doesn't in the bum corner. anyone out. Um, but just keep in mind, this is educational in nature. It doesn't constitute legal or tax advice or even financial advice. Okay, go seek out licensed professionals for your specific situation when you're conducting transactions. All right, now we're going to give the controls over to, um, let's go ahead and unshare that. We'll give the controls over here to Michael, and Michael, we'll let you take it away, share your screen as you need to, and then um, Aaron and I are going to be interjecting, as everyone knows, here with mm -hmm. some questions. We'll be monitoring the Q&A and getting some of those teed up for uh, Michael and Brandon. And uh, now, I want to say this, because I know a lot of you guys on our webinars like to throw in questions off topic, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> And you guys know that because I field them, but um, we are going to do a more open forum type format here soon. Mm -hmm. um, maybe in a week or two, actually, we'll, yep. probably, we'll get another webinar out actually talking about Secure 2.0, all the retirement account changes, contribution rules, all the new cool things you can do, and just hitting one. your general Q&A questions um, at, you know, at your leisure. So, mm -hmm. um, so maybe hold those for that, but let's try to stay on topic to investing in alternative Oh, I assets. do have one other thing. So we do have some employees over at Directed IRA in the chat uh, as panelists. So if you do have some IRA, Solo K related questions, you know, oh, yeah. or need help getting started, we do have some of our senior account executives, some of our management team there that can help field some of those questions. So feel free to hit us up on that. And then anything you know, to do with today's topic. Cool. We'll try and we'll hit on that as well. In addition, I was going to save it till the end, but in case y'all are just tuning in before we get started, we are launching a new conference this year. 
Oh, yeah. So we do have dates finalized for it. We're pretty close to nailing down a venue, but June 29 and 30 in Southern California, it's called the Alternative Asset Investor Summit. That's a tongue twister, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but we'll shorten up the URL, but we do have that URL um, and a new website going up. So it'll be, you know, a great, you know, one and a half, two days of just investing in alternatives with the self-directed IRA, solo yeah. K. And or the, without it. We're going to talk yeah. about just alternative assets in general. Of course, you know, we'll sneak in the IRA 401k <laughs> stuff, of course. But we're just talking about the assets in general, because at the end of the day, when we're investing retirement accounts or not, you know, what do we put it into? And alternatives have grown, of course. And so, um, yeah, great. June 29th and 30th, just be staying tuned with that. Make sure you're signed up for our newsletter. You'll get updates on yep. that. In person. In person. Yeah, you got to be yeah, there. got to be there. No more of this virtual stuff. Yeah, you know? get out there. Okay. Okay. All right, Michael, we're going to turn it over to you. Um, we're going to yield the balance of the time to the gentleman from... <laughs> From Scottsdale. The great state of, <laughs> yes, the great city of Scottsdale. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, gentlemen. Matt, uh, Aaron, I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. And Welcome, everybody from across the country. Uh, I'm not sure if we have any Iowans on the call today, but I hail from the great state of Iowa. Yes. But here, <laughs> right. here we are in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, sunshine. We're about two weeks away from the Waste Management TPC, which yes. is a... And Super Bowl weekend. We're hosting the Super Bowl here in the Valley uh, this year. So a lot of yeah, buzz yeah. Uh, in town. Arizona did it right this year. Yeah. We did it right. Put us on the map. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My family's all coming in town for both of it, you know. Any of you that are in town that want to swing by and say hello, we're about five minutes from the entrance of the TPC. So, Well, you, you give an open invite like that and people take yeah. you in on that. We have walk-ins here too. Yeah. Can we park at your parking lot to get over there? You know, nice. We have plenty of Pepsis or your favorite beverage on hand. So. <laughs> well, wonderful to be with everybody. I wanted to uh, first say again, thank you. And um, Michael Bradley, CEO, founder of Bradley Wealth. Um, Matt and Aaron, you may not know, we're coming up on our, our 20th year anniversary wow. uh, this March, uh, being in the financial planning, goal-based planning, investment advisory world. And um, it's been an interesting journey. 2022, 2022 is a quite challenging uh, in the equity markets, as we all know, yeah. very, un very unpredictable. And um uh, an elevated period of volatility, but we're not going to talk about that today because we're <laughs> going to talk about how the investors, the the callers, should be thinking about alternatives uh, to include in their portfolio. Before we dive in, I want to introduce uh, my colleague uh, Brandon Scott. Uh, he and I will be uh, bouncing back and forth uh, with the content today. Brandon is my co-chief investment officer. Uh, portfolio strategist, does uh, all of our trading here at the firm uh, in Scottsdale, and obviously works very closely with our, our key alternative uh, investment managers and funds and portfolio strategists, and we'll be talking a lot about that today. Uh, so the topic is investing in alternatives, and um, we have a wonderful partnership uh, with Directed IRA and I, of the 20 years I've been in this business, um, I've been using alternatives in my practice in a variety of forms and disciplines for about 15 years. My first foray into alternatives was uh, 2007, 2008, started with private equity, uh, small sleeves, feeder funds, and then we kind of went upstream to larger hedge and private equity strategies. And 
And we've done everything from custom notes uh, to real estate funds to self-storage. And there's a lot of great examples, which we'll share today. But uh, uh, with that, I'm going to dive in and uh, Brandon and I will, will uh, look forward to taking your questions uh, either during or after the presentation. And I know, Matt and Aaron, you're going to inter interrupt us if you need well, to, to ask yeah. any questions. Look at that. You got like a minute and a half intro and we're getting into some meat and potatoes already. Yeah, It just so everybody knows, we serve about 300 clients across the country. Um, we do wealth planning, investment advisory, financial planning, uh, all in-house here in our Scottsdale office with our team. Um, so for those of you on the call that uh, may not be familiar with this term, uh, alternative investments, uh, alternatives have actually been around for over 100 years. As I've shared here, uh, the very first investment was done by J.P. Morgan in 1901. But the, the definition of alternative investments, um, they're really independent of stock and bond market positions. Okay, These are what we call uncorrelated or non-correlated assets that are designed to drive a different outcome in, in portfolios, You know, not consistent with the public markets or the equity market. So you're talking about a diversified strategy of holdings here. And traditionally, people have looked at their portfolios with four components. And we think the fifth component, alternatives, is, is the most important to be considering today. Those four components are, of course, international stocks, domestic stocks, short-term investments, i.e. bonds, and then cash. Well, a lot of people just aren't familiar or un, unaware or aware of what is an alternative. So, but the first transaction was done in 1901. It was a buyout uh, transaction. Um, JP Morgan helped Federated Steel facilitate that acquisition of Andrew Carnegie, which eventually became United States Steel Corporation and created the first billion dollar corporation in the country. So um, from the institution side, alternative investments have really been used uh, mainstream for about the last 30, 40 years, starting with the largest endowments and trust and foundations, um, Harvard and Yale being the two largest mm. in the country. Um, and we'll talk about some of those stats. But the first hedge fund, just a little bit of uh, trivia and history here, was put together by a gentleman named Alfred Jones in 1949, which was around a long short strategy that really emphasize stock selection. So just a little bit of history for everybody. Love it. When we think about um, the types of alternatives and you know, alternatives mean different things to different people, um, but here's kind of our short list of alternatives and, and we can talk around each of these in individual stories, but you know, private equity, um, when most people think of private equity, uh, you often think that a lot of these structures and strategies, and Matt and Aaron, I'm sure you see this in your firm where you have smaller minimums, right? But a lot of these used to be uh, reserved for ultra net worth, high net worth individuals. And anymore, if your credit is, we'll share by definition here in a minute, um, probably most everybody on the call, if not everyone can qualify for some sort of, some sort of alternative asset. But we have private equity. Uh, we have venture capital. We're just closed our first seed round on a venture capital IPO uh, early stage company. We're probably doing a second round here very soon, uh, which I, I know we've talked about. We'll be holding those assets at directed IRA. Uh, private debt and credit 
pretty popular in this current uh, bruising cycle and what we're experiencing on the heels of uh, a recession. Um, hedge fund strategies uh, come in a, a variety of different disciplines, uh, long, short, event-driven hedge strategies. Um, structured notes. Um, if you're not familiar with structured notes, these are bundled, packaged positions that provide downside protection, participation in the market, but a, a good backstop to you know the volatility that we're seeing today. And we customize these notes and create them for our clients to provide a nice hedge, provide income, and provide upside with some some insurance protection. Um, real estate, you know, we've dabbled in real estate. Uh, for the last 15 years through various notes, lending strategies, direct assets, um, land lease deals. We're just finishing up one right now that's got a 10% uh, income paying uh, mezzanine type strategy. Um, you know, I've done a lot of different types of real estate deals and, and real estate is something that people love to own and love to hold in their, their IRAs. Uh, venture debt, uh, special situations, secondaries, direct lending, and buyout. So when we think about alternative investment universe, uh, this is really what we think about. Um, when we when we talk about each of these categories, there's a lot of different types of structures and funds and disciplines around each of these. So we'll give you a few examples of those, of those today and how we use those in client portfolios. I was just going to jump in here. So private equities, I think a lot of people don't know what it is really. They think of it generically, but private equity, think of basically a company, a fund that goes and buys a business and tries to grow it fast and resell it for a higher price. <coughs> so they're usually buying, you know, newer companies that have success or, and they're trying to take them to the next level um, by putting more resources into them, investment money. And they, a lot of times will buy out the company um, and then try to resell for profit. So like Kim Kardashian, you know, has a freaking private equity fund now um, with someone from, uh, I think from KKR, right? Some other pro from the private equity mm. industry. But then you have like the big institutional private equity funds and you got little ones. Venture capital on their hand, these are like startups, right? These are more risky. Like private equity is usually, they're buying established businesses that have revenue, that have product. Venture capital is a little more startup getting things going, getting customers, getting products, stuff like that. So just there's a little, just want to distinguish that a little bit for some that might be a little more new to this. And I think for those of you so, that are just, you know, tuning in now, why this is such a great topic is historically like, you know, just like, I, I mean, I'll use my father as an example, you know, he, he, a lot of us just don't know what we don't know. So we see like this list of about a dozen different types of alternative investments. Well, you know what, a mutual fund is a stock is, and, you know, you may have an advisor, maybe you just, you know, do it, you know, or buy it yourself as an investment, but a lot of this stuff, you know, take some additional knowledge and expertise, or you go work with a company or an RA or an advisor, like we have on today that is, you know, knowledgeable of these types of investments that will do the due diligence and can answer the questions, you know, that you may have about these. So I think that's like kind of a bit of a roadblock. I think when people venture outside of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds are like, Oh, I want to self-direct or I want to get into alternative, but where do I start? Or like, what is it exactly? Yeah. Or, you know, so I think that's what we hope to, to accomplish in today's webinar too, and go over some very specific examples of like, 
you know, the thought process behind it and how, you know, you can go about it as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And people say, right, like complexity is the enemy of yes. execution. Well, sometimes this stuff sounds complex mm-hmm. and if it's too complex, you're not going to follow through on it. Um, but Michael, I mean, this is something and Brandon too, like, like this is growing, right? I mean, alternative assets have done pretty well as a general category and it's kind of growing, isn't it? Yeah, Matt. And Aaron, I want to comment on your your statement about knowledge is power, as, as we said on the first slide. And, you know, we serve accredited and qualified purchaser clients, pretty sophisticated people, successful businesses, C-level executives, you know, entrepreneurs. But uh, it's it's amazing how many people in the investment world, consumers that have the capacity, have the dollars to invest, have never heard about alternatives still. Mm-hmm. Um and to your point, Matt, um, endowments with more than a billion in assets now, mm-hmm. 48% of their portfolio is made up of alternative investments yeah. and only nine, only 9% in U.S. equities. That's crazy. That's so, crazy. <laughs> you know, when I, when I referenced in these endowments and, and institutions, trusts have been doing alternative investing for the last you know 30 40 years and Brandon will show a slide here in a minute that just shows the incredible <clears throat> that we've seen over the last decade in this growing asset class which is again largely unfamiliar I do want to say too you know when you look at this list um, there's a lot more that goes be- beyond just you know these eight or ten bullets but private equity private debt proven managers, downside protection. Um, you've got, you know, PhDs and portfolio managers scattered across the globe that are that are involved in a lot of these different strategies. And we have some really good success stories. Um, you know, one of our managers last year, you know, in a in a really, really challenging market. And I'd say a handful of these managers were net positive for the year. Mm-hmm. So it tells you they have to be doing something very sophisticated behind the scenes to to make that work. And you know, protect, protect investor capital. Yeah, so yeah, one of the most difficult years in like a decade yeah. now, at least. <laughs> yeah. Seventh worst year ever in the equity market. So wow. very challenging, but as we'll share any of our credit investor qualified clients, when we look at uh, portfolio returns over the last year, certainly uh, the immediate uh, future, those, those investors net performance outperform the the benchmarks by, you know, five to eight, nine times. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about a NASDAQ and growth that have led, led this economy for the last decade, which is completely flipped on its back, people are searching. And what I'll say is before we go to the next slide is if I was to survey 25 of our, our highest net worth clients, every one of them would say, Michael, Brandon, what do you have that's new? I want deal flow. I want mm-hmm. new structures. Yeah. I want new ideas because people are sort of tired of the ebbing and flowing of Wall Street and, and the unpredictability of that. So, um, you know, there's just a lot of ways you can build a portfolio and uh, you can start small and, mm-hmm. and build it, you know, as you go. Love it. All right. I'm going to turn the screen over to Brandon real quick. Oh, yeah, welcome. excellent. Welcome, so, Brandon. Thank you, guys. No, I appreciate it. No, um, what we've found, Aaron, Matt, everyone, the last couple of years, alternatives really have come from the transition of being optional to essential. You know, last year was 
the third worst year ever for the traditional 60-40 portfolio. And I'm not here to bash the public markets by any means. There's definitely a, a right place and time for everything, but we really love alternatives and finding that perfect balance of diversification, especially in this new cycle that we're in. A lot of investors right now are complacent. They think just because 2022 is a down year, that 2023 is going to be an up year and they can be passive and not make the necessary moves. But we think, you know, this is going to take multiple years to flush out as cycles do. Um, typically four to 10 years is every rolling cycle. Um, and we truly just started this one. But I think what's important, even though this slide is very wordy, what we like to do with every investor, every client is to understand what do they want out of investing? What do they want out of these alternatives? A lot of our higher net worth clients just say, I just want that monthly income check. I don't want my principal eroded. Um, I'm not looking for a grand slam or even a home run. Just hit doubles and singles all day and I'll be a happy camper. Um, so we have you know, a group of those type of investors, but we also have the ones that want to enhance the returns. They want to be in the VC venture capital funds. They want to be in the aggressive hedge funds. Um, and then you just have your kind of run of the mill, just average investor that just wants to diversif diversify, whether that's within asset classes, whether that's diversifying away from the public markets, um, or whether that's diversifying um, to mitigate overall portfolio volatility, um, which we will get into. But yeah, there's there's a time and place for alternatives in every portfolio if you meet that criteria. But um, you know, like when we do have ripping years in the markets, like we've seen in um, you know 2017 and leading up to COVID. Um, alternatives may underperform in that environment because that's not what they're you know trying to do they're not trying to outperform in that environment but as michael said you know last year we had a handful of strategies that outperformed the s&p the barclays ag by you know 10 to 20 percent and if you have a few of those years that can really set you apart um you know from your average 60 40 portfolio so um, yeah, and Brandon, yeah. I just I want to just comment too. I think you touched on something really important here. And when people say, "Well, Michael, how do I get started?" You know, Matt, Aaron, you know, what's the next step? How do you go about? And it it does start with your personal investing philosophy, your index. Um, we'll talk about some of the shortcomings of being an alternatives, you know, due to illiquidity. But you know, we find that clients that join the firm that don't have any experience. We start very ground level like we are today. And, and we back into, you know, allocation discussion and what their goals are. Do they need income? Do they want growth? Do they want a combination of both? As Brandon said, uh, a lot of our clients this year put a lot of money in, in private notes that are paying, you know, eight to 10% and they get that for 12 or 24 months. So um, it's, it's good money. It's, it's, Fair, safe money. It's backed by you know, large institutional assets. But again, people don't know. But I would just say for the callers on the call today, um, it, it all starts with your philosophy and, and stage and age of life and what you're trying to achieve uh, for a, a long-term wealth generating type portfolio or short-term. 
Sure. Yep. And we'll get to it towards the end, but we have a great cheat sheet for just how do you allocate by your risk and overall investment objective? You know, do you allocate 10% to hedge funds, 10% to private equity, 10% to real estate. We break that all down based on all of those different factors. Um, and I think that'll be a, an important slide to highlight when we get there. Yeah, this just kind of echoes what Matt, you alluded to earlier about just the uh, growth in private equity uh, that's taken place over the last you know, decade plus. And you can see here a prequent, uh, gave us a stat that uh, alternatives have grown over 10 trillion in assets under management today. Um, so that bucket continues to swell. And of course, this last uh, bar chart here only shows through November, um, you know, and there's outflows and inflows always, you know, within the public markets and people trying to gravitate to different strategies. But I think there's no reason to think this trend won't continue for the next decade. Excellent. So yeah, this is one of my favorite slides for whoever's dialing in. It's essentially just showing how alternatives can improve portfolio risk and return. So this is a chart going back to 1989, and it has a few different portfolio groupings. But the big takeaway is that essentially by adding in a sleeve of alternatives, within your public bond and equity portfolio, it can substantially enhance your return as well as mitigate your overall volatility. So based on this chart, you can see that your average 60-40 portfolio has almost 10% volatility and you know a healthy 8.4% annualized return. Well, if you took that down um, to you know about 30% alternatives and you took your equity allocation down to 30 and had you know fixed income at 40, so kind of a, an even split among the three classes, your volatility would basically be cut into a third, right to about six and a half percent, and you would still have better annualized returns than that 60-40 portfolio while having 33% less volatility. I don't know any investor out there that wouldn't want that because we know our clients that are unable to invest in alternatives, you know, typically during years like we had last year, those are the, you know, the nervous Nellies that, you know, really have to ride by what the public markets are doing. So, this is what we do day in and day out. We get strategic. We make these moves and shifts in our client portfolios when we have to. And we when we see these change of shifts and regimens like we have, you know, over the last 12 to 18 months, um, you know, with our economy. So I think this is just a great slide. And I'm not saying that if you automatically add, you know, 30% of alternatives into your portfolio, that you're going to outperform and have less volatility. You still have to select the right managers and do the proper due diligence and research and vet these managers out because we get solicited every day, multiple times by, you know, these 
alternative managers that want our clients' money. And we truly want to work with the best of the best that have a track record that, you know, we see that they truly have made it through multiple cycles. And we know and have confidence that they'll be able to make it through this one that we're in with ease. Um, so just another slide to, to speak about, but a lot of our clients, as we said, just strictly come to us because they want that monthly consistent income. Like they still are working in you know, their day-to-day um, -day job. Um, and what we really like to do, and I think one of the best decisions we made last year was fully exiting um, the fixed income markets on the public side, um, basically right before we headed into 2022. We knew rates were going up. We knew inflation was going to be sticky most of last year. And that's honestly the worst environment for fixed income investors. So as you can see in this chart, essentially, if you can invest through core real estate assets, and there's a bunch of quality funds out there within that space, you can essentially generate credit-like yields and have a negative correlation to the equity markets, which we know were positively correlated with the fixed income markets last year, which really does not happen often. But um, instead of clipping you know, three to 4%, in early 2022, we are collecting 10% from our core real estate funds and some promissory notes tied to real estate companies. So that shift alone right there led to major outperformance because as we know, the Barclays Ag was down at its lows around 16% last year, which is one of the worst years in centuries. Um, and you know, that's just a way that you can still generate a healthy yield, but not have to worry about, you know, what's happening within, you know, the public fixed income markets me, because uh, they can be just as volatile. Yeah, let me ask a question. Love, I love this little concept. Here. I want to make sure everybody's catching it. Mm -hmm. So let me try mm -hmm. to state it. So when, when you're talking about bond market and fixed income, I mean, we're talking about in the 60-40 portfolio, which is a standard financial advisor, have 60% in stocks and mutual funds, the equities, cookie cutter, yep, in the bond market in general. And what you're saying is, hey, the bond market's not the place to be, so to speak, right now. Um, real estate is a better asset that can produce consistent returns in the fixed income type way, can appreciate in value as well, depending on what type of core real estate asset you're buying. Um, I know for like, you know, that speaks to me, by the way, I'm like, Ooh, you're talking my language, you know, cause I, you know, yeah. someone who owns a lot of real estate never owned, you know, bonds or any fixed income products. Um, and you can see with a lot of real estate, there's, you can analyze what's going to be my cash flow on this. You can see from, I know a lot of the, um, uh, funds or things you see in the real estate space, you can, you can kind of predict what's the income that's going to be paid out on this. So is that is that what you're talking about? You're saying look at exactly. your real estate assets and yeah, that's basically yeah, your fixed it's, income if it's cash flow producing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a case certainly um, for any investor today, and you take a senior retiree, mm -hmm. you know, anyone that wants a more predictable outcome. You know, we've been spoiled the last decade with very robust turns, uh, yeah. returns up until COVID, and then 
we lost 36% in 34 days. And then we had the big rally and all of a sudden the do-it-yourselfers and the Robin Hoods became yeah. involved. And those people, we see those accounts coming in and they're de- they're decimated, yeah. right? Yeah. But to your point, Matt, it's, it's, it's looking at alternatives as a replacement to bonds, maybe not forever. We still own bonds, but we're just extremely selective and very short duration. Yeah. And you can you can get, you know, with the yields three or four percent. But, but you're where picking, we've been able to you're picking certain alternatives too when you say that. Because you're not saying, oh, put invest in a VC fund, you know, here necessarily. No, no, these are so you're saying like real estate is what you're chatting. Yeah, yes. they're they're backed by real estate companies in some cases. You know, we the the one structure I mentioned was using notes. We've had yeah. three ten percent notes where March last year, we were able to do a, a $10 million custom note. And, you know, for as little as 50,000, people can get $500 a month in interest. So we we positioned a lot of money there above and beyond the bond market. And we had a lot of cash sitting idle that, you know, we pulled off the sidelines. So um, I think it's just a wake up call for any retail investor, you know, period that says, wow, I'm a retiree and I thought my bond would never lose value. And that coupon delivers X and it's, it's, as Brandon said, it's just, everything's correlated. You know, you had a, the bond, your aggregate down 16%. So imagine that, you know, and you're a retiree relying on that income. So it is about a, a more predictable, durable portfolio and outcome and, and giving people what they want at the end of the day. And there's, there's a lot to choose from, but we're you know the the venture side Matt is really more speculative right somebody has to be able to say yeah, i won't yeah. say it's like crypto speculative but yeah. you know you have to be willing to invest in a startup potentially knowing that that may never come to fruition right right yeah it could go to zero you know whereas real yeah. estate there's something there there's like real asset there you know yep i have a question michael before we jump into this for, for you and Brandon on, cause I got a number of questions coming in and you just mentioned, you know, s- some of them, if your client's getting in, involved as little as like, you know, $50,000 or something like, are you typically having to be an accredited investor? And, uh, and then for those of you listening, uh, part two of that, like, l- let's go ahead and define what an accredited investor is. So I got a two part question for you. Okay. Well, I'll jump over real quick. Okay. Um, there you are. There you go. So, Really good question. I'll back up here in a minute, but no, great question. And you know, our ideal client is a credit investors because or qualified purchasers because we feel we can give them a better, uh, more predictable outcome. And performance is everything, right? To our clients and getting that extra three or four or five or ten bips is really important. But um to answer your question, to invest in alternatives, and there's a lot available for this first category called accredited investors. And this is a, a term defined by the SEC, the regulators that say, to, for you to invest in a alternative asset class, non-correlated asset, you have to have a net worth of a million dollars, which excludes your primary residence, or a household income of 300,000 if you're filing a joint return or 200,000 if you're an individual. So Matt, Aaron, these are your clients, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every, everyone in your, your base is, you know, every investor that's on this call, I'm assuming is accredited 
Um, I'd say or, the majority. Some probably are, yeah. but I'd say the majority for sure. Yeah. Or people are just learning perhaps, but sure. that's mm-hmm. a good threshold. And, you know, I would say probably 80% of the clients we serve fall into these two categories. And as Brandon said, we we have clients that were purely in uh, market-driven asset allocated portfolios last year where, you know, we we try to find the very best value and hedge we can, but there was no place to hide, right? Um, qualified purchaser, the, the main differences between these two categories are the opportunity set with a qualified purchaser, you're talking about a net worth uh, investment portfolio of 5 million or more, um, which doesn't include your primary residence again. And this is a whole nother world available to the investing high net worth public. Um, some of the best stories, the best opportunities we've seen over the last decade have been with qualified purchaser clients. And uh, a lot of our accredited are graduating to qualified, mm. which is cool, right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, to be to be in this space and do it for say twenty five k minimum, that is available to to an accredited investor. Um, and our two platforms, which we we pull pr- most of our our primary you know best of breed ideas from. Um, you know, Mercer's the vetting arm, the due diligence is done, they rate all of these funds. You know, we we do a de- very deep dive exhaustive analysis on these funds, but um, it just, again, goes back to the client goals and what they're trying to achieve. Great, thank you. Was there another part to that question? No, I think that was it. Good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you hit them both, yeah. Okay, perfect. Excellent. So yeah, I'll take this one. So we are big advocates of investing and allocating into hedge funds. Every single one of our high net worth clients has exposure to this area within the alternative space. And really what we wanted to illustrate in this chart is that you know, the hedge fund correlation to a 60-40 portfolio during times of distress like we're in currently, typically the correlations are zero or even negative. And two of our best strategies, and we've owned these strategies for many, many years, were up you know, near 10% in 2022. We're waiting for the December numbers to come out, so we'll see how they did, but I'm sure there's no surprises there. But we really tell our clients and investors that this is your sleep well at night money. Um, we'll get to a few specific stories here in a few slides, but when you're in new cycles like we're in currently, you want to have these non-correlated or even negatively correlated assets because there were not many places to hide last year other than if you're invested in the US dollar or all oil and energy stocks. Um, And that's why we like having exposure in the hedge fund space because when they really need to do the heavy lifting during difficult times, they do not disappoint. And that is what helps outperformance um, and overall dispersion during, you know, difficult years like 2022. And, you know, if if we see a hedge fund manager have back-to-back pretty, you know, dire years compared to the markets, we are not handcuffed to these managers. We will fire them, move money out, 
and find another one to replace them if they're not doing what they originally said they, you know, were going to do. And we have done that um, before, but we really do think we've found some of the best um, available. And we know the endowments, the pension funds, the large family offices, they're utilizing the same managers that we use for our clients too, which definitely makes us feel good. And now I know next. you said you guys have some examples. So people, I know there's been just in the chat. So you guys know too, there's you got some examples coming up here of some. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a few examples to share. Yeah. Yep. You guys are no getting uh, you guys are getting a little, you know, at the end of the today's webinar, we're going to be offering certificates in alternative asset investing. So, um, cause I love this. You guys <laughs> like have all the data sure. and the charts. This is like, you know, it's not just my, you know, my dumb jokes. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think it's important to know, you know, there's callers I'm sure are on today that aren't clients of yours uh, that are learning and and trying to become more knowledgeable. But I think it's really important to touch on how do you invest in IRA? You know, what's the what's the method in the process? And we've been doing this for over a decade. So um, that's why finding a partner like directed IRA makes such a great fit for us because a lot of a lot of uh, advisors aren't doing this period mm-hmm. go ahead brando yeah and i won't spend too much time on this slide but you know really i think what's important to look at here these show a lot of the different types of alternative investments that are out there uh, you know whether that's hedge funds you know even cryptocurrencies in here private markets um, real assets and you can see Basically, where it's red means it is very correlated to the applicable public market. Um, So we like to look at these. All of the charts that you're seeing today, by the way, are from JP Morgan. They release their guide to alternatives every quarter. um, And we really like to abide by that and use that as a guide for the quarter and year ahead to really allow us to focus on, okay, where where should we allocate money to um, this year? Where is, you know, where can we get that uncorrelation um, from that our clients are looking for? Um, And you can see here that a lot of the assets on the screen um, are are fairly uncorrelated or even negatively correlated to, um, you know, the corresponding public market um, that you can see there. So, Just a great chart to show. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it before, but not many of you may know how truly uncorrelated these these assets are. And they generate a lot of alpha for portfolios during tough years like we've seen um, in 2022. Love it. Yeah, I really just want to highlight what are the risks associated with uh, investing in alternatives. And you know, I would say there's no more risk than there is in the public markets. You've, you've got to be extremely selective and prudent about your due diligence and what you're looking for. But um, illiquidity or limited liquidity is probably the most um, recognizable one in terms of not being able to move assets quickly and get liquidity. If you're putting money in an IRA, then you're holding it long term anyway. Um, we could talk about how to get IRA assets into a, an alternative asset. Um, sometimes the managers, and I wouldn't say this example applies to us, but if you don't implement and execute your strategy, um, you don't fulfill your, your 
subscription guidelines and what the fund was originally intended to do um, can run into problems. So it, the point I would make here is alongside your trusted advisor, make sure you're doing your own due diligence on anything that you're investing in. We have a five-page checklist of uh, compliance and regulatory and due diligence questions that we go through. And as Brandon said, we get hundreds of solicitations to put our cap clients' capital to work, and obviously very few make the cut. Mm -hmm. uh, these funds can be, you know, they can leverage assets on the debt and credit side uh, in, a, in a more sophisticated way um, using, you know, those assets to buy distressed assets, put other money to work. Um, the valuation of these assets, and we we find this typically on the direct side, Matt and Aaron, you might comment on this because, you know, some of the firms you're dealing with and fund companies, they strike a value maybe once a year. Mm. Yeah, if right. That, yeah. <laughs> if that. So, you know, and, and from a tax perspective, that might create some complications for someone that their CPA is, you know, paying them to say, hey, I need we need a valuation on this asset. Right. So it can be like pulling teeth sometimes. And again, these are questions that should be part of anyone's due diligence. Um, and you touched on this earlier is just the complexity of these various structures and strategies and funds and managers. And that's where we break it down, you know, break down the science of these uh, particular funds and, and just educate, educate, educate uh, before you ever invest dollar one. Obviously you're going into these funds with a more predictable result with proven large institutional managers some of these managers like KKR are managing over, you know, 100 billion, you know, 150 billion, 200 billion in assets. So you're you're getting involved with proven long-term core managers that um frankly they they want to get paid on their performance. And so the fees can be a little bit higher. And the minimums, which I think have come down considerably, but most people should think about the minimum investment on an alternative between you know 50 and 100,000. A lot of the private equity head strategies, most all of them have 100K minimums. That's usually, that's what we yeah, see. Yeah, that's what we see. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're processing, just so you guys know, you know, like a directed IRA, I mean, there's probably five to 10 subscriptions to a private fund in yeah. some form or fashion a day, you know, coming out of here. Yeah. And yeah. every once in a while you see a fund that'll let you break it up into 25,000 mm -hmm. and they'll sell like a half a unit, but that that's a little more rare. So definitely 50 and um, I see some at 250, but um, yeah, I think a lot of clients, I think 50 is like generally the marker of the minimum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We just had one of our key partners in this week and, Goldman just announced they're doing a a five million dollar uh, strategy mm -hmm. that uh, you know takes a credit investor, qualified purchaser client uh, minimums are probably two fifty, Brandon, I think. But yep. you have to pool five million dollars worth of assets mm -hmm. to be able to participate. So we might take you know ten clients and put into that five million dollars. Mm -hmm. um, but the outcomes are, you know, the reputation, the track records. This is a 22% annualized IRR. Yeah. You know, it's so, interesting. I've looked at some of our accounts that are like 10 million plus, you know, and I know some of these clients for years. And 
I just look at some of the stuff they invest in and it's like, yeah. it's not stuff you can just choose to invest in. Like some of these funds, even if you meet the requirements and the paperwork, unless you know someone or they know who you are, your money is not going in, yeah. you know, they just won't take it. And so that's just, so, um, but I do love that actually. So there is a way actually maybe work with an advisor where you get opportunities for some of these alternative assets that you couldn't do by yourself. Cause if you're helping pool 10 clients into a thing that requires 5 million and I only wanted 500,000 of exposure. I didn't want to throw in 5 million. If you know, if you had it, then that's, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a little perk, I guess, with working with an advisor, sure. you get opportunity to a deal you wouldn't otherwise maybe. I mean, we could ask that daily. Like, you know, it's, it's tough for us. Cause we just can't do that as a passive custodian or like, where do I get started? Or who, you know, what can you recommend? And we're like, ah, oh, we can't, you know, really, yeah. do that. but we can offer you some education and some resources, but a webinar, you know, a webinar like we're doing today. <laughs> and that's like, that's what we can do. So like, don't shoot the messenger. We're sorry. Like, we're just, we're trying to like give you as many possible resources yeah. to like set you up for success. We hope so. Yeah. But it's, you know, we're in a bit of a, you know, different situation is what we can and can't do, but that's, that is a good, that is a good strategy. Look yeah. At, for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's probably timely to just talk about, you know, if you're working with an advisor and they're only offering traditional equities, you absolutely should look at this asset class uh, or ask them to look at this asset class. I think one of the, the essential elements of our relationship with you guys, Matt and Aaron, is the, the process, right? You have to have a process. So, if you have money sitting in a traditional brokerage account, moving that money from your traditional brokerage account, doing a subscription over to directed IRA from an IRA or an after-tax or post-tax, I know you have the trust company as well. Mm -hmm. It's it's If you have a process, it's not difficult at all, really. Yeah. And if you want to see this as part of an overall aggregation in, in a, a portfolio, you know, we, we obviously you know, partner with you to do all that, right? You need good systems and processes and controls. But I think most people don't understand beyond just the education of what should I invest in? You know, what makes the most sense is getting money from one bucket to the other is probably the easiest part about doing this. And you guys see this on a yeah, you yeah. Know, very high level. Well, let me hit on that for a quick 30, a hot 30 seconds, and then we'll get into some of the examples of what y'all have done in the alternative space. So one of the questions that we get asked frequently, and we just got asked today, is that I've heard with alternative self-directed IRA investments, <clears throat> timing of approval by the custodian, so in this case, let's insert directed IRA, is critical to not lose the deal. For example, when it's real estate or notes or private debt, private equity as an example, what does directed aim for as far as timing on the investment approval, wiring of funds, or maybe what's your typical turnaround time if all the custodian requirement required documents are approved um, or provided? Excuse me. Um, okay, so great. Here's your, your here's your hot thirty seconds on that. Getting the account open first. Yeah. Got to get an IRA account open with the self directed custodian. Yeah, assets. I should probably have Jake on the call. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I'll just say you know, long and short is. And we only can move as fast as the client wants to, but everything is digital, number one. So you don't need paper signatures. You don't need really overnight mail unless rare occasions there's a, a original signature required. Um, you guys have medallions. Sometimes that's mm -hmm. needed, yep. right? Yep. But but I would say 
you know, the the transfer of assets once it's authenticated is typically no more than a week. Mm-hmm. Um, in our world, in the the public markets, you know, it can be as soon as you know three three days. But I think to get all the forms and documents signatured, the, the subscriptions done, you're probably talking seven days. Brando, would you agree? Maybe a little longer, <clears throat> ten days. Yeah, I mean, it just depends, right? But yeah, it's you definitely want to get it submitted sooner rather than later because a lot of these alternative investments, yes, you can either lose the deal or you have to wait another month because they either admit investors on a monthly or quarterly basis. So timing is everything, but I'd say turnaround is typically seven seven days from from what we've seen yeah. and if you have a good custodian like directed ira yeah we move fast and you guys you know you can check our reviews and we we you know just everybody listening if you haven't worked with us you know we really pride ourselves in moving quickly on investments because at the end of the day that's what you're doing that's the whole reason yeah. you have a self-directed ira is to make a freaking investment so right. we really focus on that and have an amazing team on it led by heidi um but i'll say this what i would say there's two hang-ups Two hangups that I see in clients making an alternative asset investment is that can delay you past that seven days. First, your money's at a, your current IRA or old 401k money's at a custodian or place that's going to drag their feet. Mm-hmm. There's a few of them out there that freaking take forever, like LPL and a couple others that are like, you know, out of their cold, dead hands, are you going to be able to transfer your money to another place? Yeah. So, yeah. so that's one thing that's out of our control. We're going to move quick, but the person sending it's got to, you know, actually do their job. The other one is like the paperwork was done wrong. Um, and that's one thing we try to help clients when we see stuff done wrong, we try to fix it and work with you to get it done right. Um, but sometimes the paperwork's just done wrong. So, um, so that, that's it. Those are the two little variables that slow something down or can get you off that seven day window, which I think For is sure. reasonable. What you guys said seven days. Yeah. Get in the game. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we're getting close on time here, but um, there are a lot of different case studies and and strategies that we could talk about. We just wanted to highlight a few here. Great. Um, Brando, do you want to take the lead here or do you want me to? Um, You can kick it off and I'll chime in. Yeah. So on the private equity side, uh, you know, a lot of different strategies. I'm sure many people on the call have heard of KKR, Colbert, Kravitz, Roberts, been around over 40 years, 50 years. Um, huge organization, but we're on the private side of of alternatives with them, 25K sleeve and their master's fund. And Matt, you commented earlier, these are turnaround startup uh, or distressed uh, situations where they're buying companies, they're turning them around, they're, they're making them profitable. And this fund has averaged, I want to say 13% IRR annualized for life. Um, it's just been a steady, stable go-to fund for us. Uh, but this would be a perfect example of a lot of our clients that are new in the space. This is often where we start them. Say, listen, take a small sleeve, dip your toe in and, and start to get familiar with the space. Um, then you have the other side, which is, uh, I mentioned earlier, Go Locker. Uh, it's a, a brand new um early stage company, and I say brand new, it's been around about six years, but we just finished uh, our first round of capital raising uh, with about 35 investors. 
Um, Matt, Aaron, you guys obviously will hold these assets for us uh, as we play this thing out. But the idea, this is a logistics company, by the way, you can check them out on golocker.com. Uh, we're likely going to be doing a second round with them uh, here in the very near future. So this would be an opportunity if someone said, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to take, you know, 50K and throw it into a venture fund. Um, wonderful organization, wonderful people. Um, I've actually known the president for six years. Um, the CEO founded the company. Nigel comes from a logistics background at FedEx. So uh, this is a good opportunity for somebody that wants to just dip their toe in on the, you know, the, the venture side of the world. Um, right here in our backyard, uh, a very, very strategic partner, relationship of Bradley Wealth. There might be some caliber people on the call today. Um, you know, we've known Caliber for probably seven years. This company started on the, the courthouse steps. I think they just hit their 15th anniversary, but they started buying distressed assets during the, the great financial crisis. And Chris and his team, uh, Jen, Roy, Jay, their leadership team, they've done an incredible job at building this organization um, from scratch to a $2 billion asset company today that's going public. So if you check out Caliber, you're going to see a lot of different types of strategies from income, uh, opportunity zone, which has been really popular the last couple of years. That fund's getting ready to close, which is a, a cap gains deferral strategy. Um, we've done last year, we probably did 12, 13 million in notes with them. Um, so they're a very, very strategic partner of ours. Uh, they're going public here in a few weeks. Um, it's just nice to have a company like this in our backyard that's thriving and doing well. So uh, this is one that we really like a lot, depending on the client situation. And then the last one is, um, I'll let Brandon talk about Millennium, Case, and iCapital. Yeah. Yep. So just Brandon, quickly, tell, I think- Tell it, people what the he a hedge fund is exactly. We've had a few people that kind of understand yeah. the first three, they're like, then what's a hedge fund? Yep. No, exactly. I was just going to answer that one. So yeah. Essentially, it's an investment that pools capital get together from a group of high net worth accredited or typically qualified purchasers. And, you know, they have their own methodology on how they can generate outsized returns without taking market like risk. So a lot of the hedge funds that we use are considered multi-strategy. So it doesn't mean they're just going to be an event-driven hedge fund or a quantitative hedge fund. They do everything. They deal with convertible and volatility arbitrage, debt arbitrage, credit. They do everything um, from that landscape. And that's what makes hedge funds so unique. And I know it's tough because you know media and you see hedge funds are... Um, you know, volatile and trying to, you know, generate these very, very high uh, returns through aggress aggressive measures. But that's not the case as far as how we deal with hedge funds. We, as I mentioned earlier, we're looking for the ones that can generate similar returns to the market, but not taking even remotely close to the risk of investing in the S&P 500. Um, for example, Millennium, um, that we have a track record for Millennium going back to the 90s. They've had one down year 
and that was in 2008. They're down about 3%. Um, and if you really look at their performance stacked up to the S&P 500, um, you know, over that time frame, or even if you want to go back to, you know, 2008 from those lows, they have been able to double what the S&P 500 has done. And essentially they're taking maybe 25% of the risk that the S&P 500 um, is taking if you were just invested in that, right? So that is what you would call an ideal investment. And that is one that continues to generate alpha. And I know I said this earlier, they're not going to return 50% one year and 40% the next year, but they hit you know the lower teens every single year, despite what the market does. And that's what they did for us in 2022. And we're expecting the same this year and um, beyond that. But our clients love these types of strategies because you know, they've been through the roller coaster and the public markets. They're done. They've made their money. And now they just want to be in these strategies that, you know, allow them to sleep well at night. And we get these strategies through our partners, which you can see here, our case and iCapital. Um, they're, they're some of the largest, what we call feeders in the industry. And essentially what they do for us is they initially will vet these alternative strategies on our behalf. They probably get over 10,000 solicitations a year, and they'll probably only grant less than 25 strategies onto their platform every year. So it's tough to get on there, but once you're on there, um, you, you can have access and they do the due diligence. We prefer Case because they hire a third party called Mercer to do the due diligence. iCapital, the due diligence is all in-house. So I don't know how biased they are um, you know, with their recommendations and research, um, but Case is growing. Um, they're located in New York and LA, um, but definitely check out their website. There's some really good educational content on alternatives, how to do your own due diligence and really how to allocate um, between, you know, all four of these different types of asset classes that, you know, you can see here on the screen, but we would not have the pipeline and selection that we have unless it weren't for these two. You know, we certainly do have our own, you know, private deals that we've vetted, you know, ourselves, but Case and I Capital, they're going to be around for many decades, especially if you know, we see the fundraising continue within this space, which we have no doubt it will. Love it. All right. This is about uh, it, huh? How are how we doing on time? Good. We'll hit, let's hit that last slide and then uh, okay. throw, throw yeah, up your- Yeah, that's our last slide. So Let's hit that one, throw up your info, and then we'll take some questions and uh, call it a good night. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So this was what I was referencing earlier. It's just a good cheat sheet for us to look at mm -hmm. when we are, whether it's a new prospective client or an existing client that wants to get into the alternative space. And, you know, first and foremost, you got to make sure that you have the risk sentiment dialed in because you don't want to invest uh, conservatives clients money that's looking for consistent income 
into an aggressive hedge fund that was down 50% last year. I mean, that's just not how a fiduciary should act. So once you get that right, then you can really hone in on the individual client factors, which we, you know, are a goal-based financial planning firm. So, you know, is it leaving a legacy? If you're leaving a legacy and you don't necessarily need that income, then most likely you can take a little more risk and you can invest in a little more growth-oriented assets. Um, MB, can you go back, please? Oh, sorry. And then, yeah, if um, you know your time horizon's a little shorter, then you need to stick with investments that have more liquid assets in them. Typically, quarterly is going to be the most liquid you can you can find in the alternative space. There are some monthly liquidity options, but yeah, typically you're 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 having quarterly or annual liquidity. Um, we have investments that are locked up for eight to ten years, and we've educated our clients that that's money you won't be touching. It's in an opportunity zone fund. We promise it'll be worth it. It'll be worth the wait. Um, because there's reasons for why we got into it. Um, but I think this is just a great page for all the listeners to reference. Hopefully we can um, somehow show a link to this presentation because if you are trying to build out your own portfolios, um, you know, they're directed IRA, I would definitely reference this, which this is provided by Mercer, one of the largest um, due diligence companies yep. in the world. You'll have so. the recording and the slide deck. So that's, yeah, that's our beautiful. gift to you. <laughs> I was going to make sure we can get the slide deck because I wanted some of those slides myself too. Actually. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I guess to, to wrap up, it's just what we've already said is really alternatives are in vogue. It's really become a transition from optional to essential. And uh, I think everyone should consider some sort of allocation uh, or sleeve in their portfolio if they're trying to mitigate risk, mitigate downside, want a more predictable outcome, better diversification. There's just a lot of advantages if you if you partner with the right company and the right strategies. Yeah. There's uh, our contact information on the screen uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of us. And um, happy to help any way we can. Educate, guide, share any information. So, Matt. Aaron, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Shall we do a rapid fire round for yeah. a couple minutes of Q&A? Yeah, you want to throw yeah. me that question? Yeah. And then we got some questions for you guys. We'll leave the contact info up here for a moment. Um, and then we'll go ahead and share our slide because we do have a you know promo for those listening yeah. to the webinar to opening a new account. So Michael, uh, Brandon, hang tight with this. All right, this question comes from Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. With a lot of these alternative investments, don't they throw off a lot of UBTI and UDFI? So do you need a C blocker corp? Please elaborate when you need one, if you need one. All right, Stephen, you know I love those questions. I know, that. I teed yeah, that up just That's for a me question, guys. Don't worry. Um all right. Well, let, let's go back to their examples. Just, you know, we don't have to go back on the slide, but just think of some of the companies they showed at the mm -hmm. end there. GoLocker, mm -hmm. Startup C Corp, not going to have UBIT. Um, I know Michael mentioned um, Caliber, a lot of those mm -hmm. Caliber deals that are notes, notes that are notes, not going to have UBIT. Um, KKR, likely not going to have UBIT in some of those private equity funds, but it's possible that could be very deal specific. Now, some of the hedge funds with an IRA that are trading with debt could have some UDFI. 
um, or some of the real estate funds that have debt on them could have UDFI, which is a form of UBIT or UBTI. So um, good point there. That's a consideration for all alternatives we're talking about, whether you're talking about buying a single family rental with debt Mm -hmm. or you're flipping a ton of properties or you're investing in funds or some of the things we're talking about here. So even within alternatives and the stuff we hit today, some of it you need to think about it for, and it's a great point. Some of it, don't sweat it. It's not going to matter. But Good question. There is, Matt wrote a good extensive article on exactly what UBIT and UDFI is exactly. It's a chapter (laughs) in my book, guys, chapter 15. So we're not going (laughs) to elaborate on that, but like get the book, go hit the article and that'd be great. Um, We have a webinar we did just on it too, you know, a podcast episode. There's lots on it. So, okay. Let me hit on this one. This is a good one on, um, okay, Kurt, I like it. He says, what's a good alternative asset in quote starter kit to invest in with, <laughs> let's say, two separate $50,000 investments using a self-directed IRA at directed IRA? Thank you. Um, would it be good to do a private equity and maybe a hedge fund um, with two k investments? Do I work with a company like Bradley Wealth directly? What And what could I expect, you know, IRR-wise? So... That's a great question. I don't, uh, Michael, why don't you take that one? Yeah. What was, the listener's, <laughs> yeah. what was the listener's name again? I'm sorry. Kurt, 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 Kurt. Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, I would couch this a couple ways. If you were sitting in a meeting, a discovery conversation with us from the get go, um, you know, we would have to really one, get to know you, uh, your personal situation, your uh, investing style, uh, is this growth, is it income? What's the end goal here? What's your age and stage of life? But you know, once you get through all that, then we really can identify because there's not one portfolio that's identical, right? You custom tailor, structure, uh, allocate, and design a portfolio from the bottom up. And um, you know, I would just say if it's 50,000 each and it's growth and income, you're probably looking at um, a note type structure today with a complement of like a KKR. Um, but we have some people that just say, I want a hundred thousand in a note that's going to pay me 10%. Okay. And it, it's so hard to answer that question because of the callers on today, everyone's got a different yeah. mindset, but Kurt, I would just say it starts with a conversation with your advisor and we're happy to, to take that time with you and educate you and kind of back into your situation if you choose to do that. You know, I had an email come to my inbox today and he rolled over his HSA to self-direct. And I was like, I don't even know how it got to me, but he he was (laughs) like, Aaron, I need your help. Uh, I don't know where to start or what to invest in. I'm like, (laughs) oh man, he's like, I'm, I'm totally new to this. And I'm thinking, okay. You know, I'm sure he listened to some educational content, found some good stuff, but I'd say this, that's like a good example. Like everybody's has a unique situation. Like what are your goals and objectives and what you want to do? Like my father got started, was in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And he was like, watched his 401k get decimated in the last recession. And he's like, man, if I had just had some real estate, you know, throwing me off some income, that would have been great or some notes. So that's exactly what we did and kind of learned about. So it starts with education or hooking up, you know, with an advisor to kind of get your starter kit going. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, we might have to change our uh, wording on our front end. <laughs> yeah, you guys should alternative investor starter kit. Starter uh, kit. Yeah. yeah, you might be on to something. Comment on that? On something? Yeah, I just think, um, you know, when it comes to investing, I had a conversation. Um, Stephen Mark and I were talking about it last week, you know. Um, oh, you yeah, know, when it, when it comes to the stock market, I kind of feel like you're like at the grocery store, hmm. you know, and it's like everything there is kind of priced what it's supposed to be. Whatever you buy it for at the grocery store is what you can sell it for somewhere else or what someone else is going to pay for it because it's a super competitive market, right? If, if that thing at the grocery store is actually more valuable than it, than, you know, what costs to make it, well, that's already priced into the cost. The seller of that thing already thought of that and knows other people will pay more for it. So they charge more. And to me, that's kind of like how the stock market is. Hmm. And then, um, but now people can be great at the stock market and I'm, you know, I'm investing in the stock market in general, just like equities and stuff. And, and so, and so that's fine. But then you've got like this alternative investor, you know, stuff. And I feel like sometimes, particularly like a lot of what our clients are doing is they're like at the swap meet, you know, <laughs> it's like, there's some deals to be had there, yeah. but there's also some weird stuff yeah. that you could do wrong. And people get confused there. And they're like, uh, you know, it's like, I'm not at the grocery <laughs> store anymore, just like picking a ticker, you know? And they're yeah. like, holy cow, this is right. crazy yeah. here. Yeah. And I don't even know what that is over there. And, and can I trust that guy but over here? it's a here? nice shiny object. Yeah. And then you're like, dang, I can make money buying and reselling that thing, yeah. you know? I, I don't know if that's the right analogy, but, um, but it takes a little more effort on the alternative sure. side. I think- with um, Bradley Wealth and just, you know, we've had a lot of accounts went from them that are self-directing, investing in alternatives, um, which we love, of course. And, but a lot of people need a financial advisor for their, to get their, their, their plan in place. <laughs> but also we thought we like to have Michael and Brandon on today too, to be like, sometimes you need an advisor and yeah. you want that starter kit. And we know you guys like alternative assets and they've been down that path. They've mm. helped clients for it. They have clients that are interested in that. Because I think, you know, some of the clients that we have that have financial advisors is they're over here at directed IRA and they feel like they're like violating their rules with their financial advisor who told them not to do this. You yeah, know? yeah. Who told them don't, don't do alternatives. Yeah, don't go invest on real estate. What are yeah. you doing? You know? And so And it's not like, Yeah. So don't feel like that. There's some advisors out there that love talking about this and that can help you and um, and, and teach you. So, cause, but then everybody's different too. And so yeah. th sometimes I feel like people don't like that answer of like, well, it depends on your situation, and, but it does guys, it does. That is the answer. And I, and I think a lot of people are like, well, I just want more money next year than I got this year. Well, okay. Right. Yeah. I have a follow-up kind of question to that. Cause Brandy, you said some of the clients are in a, you know, when they get into like an opportunity zone fund and they're kind of along for the ride, you know, for many, many years, but you know, the question comes from Lynn and asking, what does it take to get out of a hedge fund or, a you know, an alternative investment once you're in, or if I need to take some of my money out once I'm in? And we, I do, we do get that a lot. Cause like, this yeah. is new to them. Like with stocks, yeah. it's easy, right? They buy and right. sell, buy and sell. Yeah. They do an alternative. Yeah. They're like, well, what happens? And I know part of the answer is, well, it depends on what it is, but can you like Give us a little bit of maybe additional insight to help, you know, our listeners and watchers today of like, you know, what that exactly could be. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, most of the hedge funds that we deal with, you have quarterly liquidity. So if you need either all of your investment out or even a portion, um, you have to um, basically provide redemption documents <laughs> to 
the, you know, we showed iCapital or Case um, and we have our back office fill that out on our client's behalf. And typically it only takes, you know, 90 days to get your money back in your account. So, you know, it's not, not as liquid as a stock or a mutual fund, but um, it's definitely, you know, I'd say on the shorter end when it comes to the alternative, you know, space, but you just have to plan around it. And a lot of these hedge funds you'll see is they allow you um, at the end of every year, they will distribute capital if you wish, um, just so you can avoid um, and prepare for, you know, any upcoming events you may need liquidity for. So we do that with, um, you know, Millennium and they actually have that in place because they did so well in 2008 that everyone was redeeming their, you know, out of the hedge fund to pile back into the equity markets because markets were down 50%. So that's why they have that in place now because a lot of people were making, you know, runs at their hedge fund during times like 08 and they just, you know, that that's going to create some issues. So 90 days I'd say is kind of the the, the average turnaround time. Yeah, and I I want to just comment cuz this is really a couple of different extremes here. Um, in the in the the private equity hedge space, like the case alternatives that we have, yes, our lockups are shorter, liquidity is available. But as you know, Matt and Aaron, we're winding down a strategy that we've had for seven years. Right? It's a it's a second tier lending program that turned into a developer. Their business, you know, went a different direction, but it's been paying our investors eleven and twelve percent annualized for seven years. Um, do you want to be in a seven-year investment inside an IRA? No problem, right? But outside of an IRA, most people want cash available to them and want to be able to, to get liquidity when they want it. So I would also say that you know we've had self-storage programs that have done very well, 60, 70, 80% returns over three or four years that you know when you park that capital that it's it's a growth-driven play, right? So you're not getting income. It's I'm going to put the money to work and I'll have an event in three or four years. Right. And I know you have a lot of that on your platform. So it it does come back to, again, the situation and and circumstance and what is someone ultimately trying to achieve? Because there's enough out there for everybody, but it's, it really comes down to the individual goal set and, and what someone's trying to accomplish. All right. Well, thanks Michael and Brandon. If you guys can unshare your slides, I'm just going to share ours up here. Um, just a little thank you to everybody. If you need to open an account at Directed IRA, we do have our special promo, Webinar 50. So enter that in, Webinar 50, when opening up a new account, it'll save you 50 bucks on your new account fees. And also, Aaron mentioned this at the front end. We do have our our Alternative Asset Investment Summit coming up. This is a new event for us. Mm -hmm. June 29th and 30th, we'll be having lots of people there on Alternative Assets, Probably going to get Michael and Brandon over there too. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, put this on your calendar. We'll talk to you later. Yep, yep. Um, so, but um, what we're trying to do is just create better awareness, education, help people find alternative asset deals. You know, one thing that's tough in the space is connecting the money to the opportunities out sure. there and doing it in a, in a good way. So, um, but we're trying to get some education and networking at that event. It'll be in Southern California. Make sure you're signed up for our newsletter to get more detail on that. 
And um, thank you again, um, Michael and Brandon. We'll get these slides shared in a couple days. We'll be sending this out and notifying all of you that the uh, webinar is up and the recording's available. And then um, just go to bradleywealth.com if you need to learn more information, want to connect with uh, Michael and Brandon. I know a lot of you have sent inquiries on how do we get in touch. You can just go to their website, schedule something, I'm sure, uh, there. And so we do appreciate it. I think this was a dang good webinar. Oh, that was a great webinar. I felt like there's a lot. We got Matt has a page of notes. Looks like a half page of notes. Yeah, I took notes, guys. I want to let you know. You know, that's a good (laughs) webinar. When I was taking notes, I was in learning mode there. Um, Sometimes these webinars are selfish because I'm trying to learn something. I figure if we're trying to learn, they are selfish. (laughs) We're learning too. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of our core values is thirst for knowledge. So we think it's important knowledge before you know, taking that initial step, but we appreciate the partnership you guys having us today. We'd love to be a part of the investment summit and uh, anybody on the call, feel free. Uh, my email is Michael at Bradley wealth. If you want to email me directly Oof, or be careful on that or uh, <laughs> Brandon at Bradley wealth. There, there you go. go. There, there you go. go. Yeah. Great. And I will say this. If you currently have an IRA at another custodian, cause I literally just had that as the last comment that came in. That's totally fine. We can move that over to us if it's self-directed or if you got a checkbook LLC or a solo K, there's some steps and a process to do that. We're willing to work with you on that. Get you a good, you know, pricing on that. Every day, every hour we're doing that. Like, let us help you do that. That's what we love to do. Um, And we're we're happy to, to help you do that. You know, we, of course, love alternative investments and, you know, appreciate being able to provide great education and content. Uh, for those of you. And thanks for hanging tight with us. We like doing these webinars. We got another one coming up. We'll do in the next week or so on the Secure Act and some of the changes in legislation that have happened. That'll be more of an open forum. And so um, I guess until then. Yeah. We'll bid you adieu, <laughs> as Aaron said. And uh, thanks, everyone. See you yeah. Next time. Thank you, guys. Uh, look forward to a great year. Thanks Thank so you. much. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.